Welcome to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me, as always, is my very award-worthy co-host, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. Faith, it's a special edition of the Late Night Fright tonight. Yes, it is. We're not doing a movie tonight, are we? No, we're not. We're doing the first ever award show. Yes, we are. We have, (laughs) well, we ordered these beautiful awards. You know the the drama comedy mask, you know, the dramatic Mm -hmm. mask? Well. It was going to be a takeoff of that. It was going to be screaming. You know, it's going to look a lot like the screaming emoji that right. you have on your phone. Right. Well, our order got mixed up with the adult store here in town, uh, the Cozy Corner Cozy Hole. Oh, That's no. The, yeah. And uh, they sent us uh, uh, gold-plated wangs. Oh, wow. So <laughs> we were going to be handing out the Friday tonight. It kind of sounds like a Friday. <laughs> but uh, we're going to be handing out golden wangs instead. And none of our nominees have shown up yet. So... <laughs> So there, there you go. Shown up yet. We invited all of them, but none of them have shown up. Maybe maybe they're on their way. We can hope because I have no idea what we're going to do with 12 golden wangs. All right, here we go. Faith, how did this come about, the Fridays? I think you got this idea from watching Killer Clowns from Outer Space, I think, right? It was. It was uh, two things that happened. John Vernon was so good in Killer Clowns from Outer Space, we said... Someone should give him an award. He might get one tonight. He's a nominee. <laughs> the other thing that happened is, Faith, you love to make lists. Uh, we had started doing our top five, top ten list. Uh, if you listen to any of the recent shows that we've done, starting with Invasion of the Body Snatchers since we came back from our COVID-19 break, uh, you, we have lists all over that. And so this is like, this is your Graceland, isn't it? This it is. is. <laughs> <laughs> getting to make these lists like this. I had notebooks uh, everywhere. Just... The uh, the only criteria for this was it had to be movies that we've done on the show, that mm-hmm. we've done shows on, uh, that we've talked about, and that was really it. So part of the fun of this was uh, awards really are meaningless, but this, in my mind, is a celebration of movies, and it's a celebration of the movies that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Horror films is what mm-hmm. we do here on the show. and uh, But movies in general... In these performances, and if you've just joined us as a listener, maybe you haven't listened to all of our back catalog. So maybe this will get you to travel back into it or at least to watch some of these movies again, possibly with fresh eyes. And any excuse we get to talk about these movies, I'm I'm happy with. So. So what exactly. we have, uh, we have some fun categories and we're going to get to them, uh, how we're going to do this. We have 10 nominees for best picture. We're going to present them as the night goes on. We are going to start with our first film. Our first nominated film is 1935's Bride of Frankenstein from director James Well. Uh, for most of these, except for one of them, we can read from the Creature Features book. And uh, we're going to give that review in just a minute. But Faith, uh, Bride of Frankenstein, we did uh, last year during mm-hmm. our Universal Horror Month of October, exactly a year ago, mm-hmm. just about. Uh, what is it about that movie that is that is so special to you? I think, I think special, that's a really good word. It is a very special movie. I, I don't know. It's just, 
it feels so good to watch. Does that make any sense? No, it really does. It's uh, everything that, and this is going to be a running theme tonight as we get into some of these performances in these movies. Uh, horror and comedy kind of stand side by side a lot of times, and mm-hmm. it does it so well so in Bride well. of Frankenstein. It's one of the funniest films I've ever seen, <laughs> and it's a it's a unique blend of horror and mm-hmm. comedy, and it's a unique brand of comedy. It's a very dark comedy. It's not mm-hmm. a it's not a slapstick comedy. It's a a lot of the the comedy comes from Ernest Thesiger, who plays uh, Doctor Pretorius in that film. But uh, it's wonderful. It's oh, it's it's it. a film that really needs to be seen to be appreciated. And and it was a first time watch when we did it on the show. Plus, do you can you recall what it was like seeing that movie for the first time? It just it, it it's kind of like watching all of them for the first time. You just kind of fall in love instantly. I've kind of kind of grown this obsession with all of these classic monsters, but. Yeah. There's just something about this movie that is just so wonderful. And, and, Bride, and Bride of Frankenstein, I think, is the finest film to come out of the Universal canon. Mm-hmm. And there are some really <laughs> wonderful movies in that canon. Yes. I think it all really comes together there in James Whale. Uh, we've done several of his movies mm-hmm. on the show. Uh, one of my favorites. And I didn't realize that he was one of my favorites until we started doing this <laughs> show, all these wonderful movies that he did. So let me read from the John Stanley book, uh, Creature Features. John Stanley was the second host of Creature Features, uh, a show that aired out of the Bay Area. Uh, if you get a chance to check out some of those old episodes, please do. It's, it was a wonderful time in America when we had the local horror host, and John Stanley was one of the greats. His book is a must-have if you are a horror movie lover. So here we go. From Creature Features, he gave it five out of five stars, rightfully so. James Whale's sequel to Frankenstein is a masterpiece of macabre humor and gothic horror thanks to an intelligent script by William Hurlbut and John Balderston. Colin Clive is again at work in the lab as the ambitious, misguided doctor, resurrecting the dead and seeking to create a mate, in quotes, for the monster. A delightful subplot involves the miniaturization of beings by the giant, by the glint-eyed Dr. Pretorius, played by Ernest Thesiger, and there's the meeting between the monster and the blind beggar, spoofed so well in Young Frankenstein. Boris Karloff recreates his shambling entity of evil and pathos while Elsa Lanchester doubles as the bride and Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley. Valerie Hobson, Dwight Fry, John Carradine, Una O'Connor, Billy Barty, music by Franz Waxman, early proposed titles, The Return of Frankenstein, and Frankenstein Lives Again with an exclamation mark. (laughs) So it could have been Frankenstein Lives Again. Be a great title for a musical, wouldn't it? Oh, yes. Wouldn't it? All right. So there we go. That is our first nominated film of the night for Best Picture, The Bride of Frankenstein from director James Whale, 1935, one of the classic monster movies in the Universal canon, a wonderful Boris Karloff performance, one of our favorites here on the show. Which brings us to our first category of the evening, Best Supporting Actor. We're going to get a big one out of the way first. So how we did this, Faith and I both came up with a list of nominees uh, so we're going to read you our list of nominees and then we're going, but we had a consensus on the winners. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so this, I uh, think it's just fair to do this and, uh, so. kind of interesting to see where the, where the differences lie, but we did, uh, <laughs> we picked five each mm-hmm. for this. All right. Faith, would you please read your list of nominees for best supporting actor? Yes. I have Robert England for a nightmare on Elm street. Ted Levine with Silence of the Lambs, Michael Keaton for Beetlejuice, John Vernon for Killer Clowns from Outer Space, and Michael McKean from Clue. My nominees for Best Supporting Actor are Michael Keaton for Beetlejuice, John Vernon for Killer Clowns from Outer Space, Ernest Thesiger for The Old Dark House, Have a Potato, (laughs) Rich Summers, there's a dark horse right there, Summer of 84, 
and Robert England from A Nightmare on Elm Street. Let's talk a little bit about all of these guys uh, briefly. Uh, one thing that jumps out to me, Faith, something that you like to talk about on this show are the eyes. And mm-hmm. all of these gentlemen bring uh, uh, some, some really crazy eyes to the performance here. Yes, Michael Keaton, do. especially Robert England, obviously. <laughs> uh, even, but even John Vernon, Ernest Thessinger, and Rich Summer on my list. And you have Ted Levine, who's, mm-hmm. who's one of the great creeps of all time uh, in, uh, in horror movies. So uh, these are not bad lists at all. Not Let at me all. tell you something. It was uh, easier to pick them than it was to, to get the winner. To make the list than it was to Yeah, to get the because winner. I mean, I, some of yours were on my list, and I was like, wait, I, I, I want these people on my list. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I almost put Michael McKean on my list. He was so close, and he was one of the reasons, too, why, you know, doing this, like, man, wouldn't it be interesting to see Michael McKean's yeah. performance pitted against Robert England's performance? I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any of these, your absolute just favorite? Is there anything that just jumps out? Uh, I tell you, I I don't know about favorite, but the rich summer performance from summer of 84, Mm -hmm. he was really, really good in that movie. If you have not seen summer of 84, you really need to see that. He he almost made my list. Almost. Yeah. But I feel like. Same with me and McKean. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The thing about summer of 84 that I want to stress is if you have not seen this movie, so much these days is nostalgia and they want thing. Wonder Woman 84 is getting ready to come out at the time of this recording. Stranger Things is is happening, and there's that 80s nostalgia. That summer of 84 legitimately feels like it was made in 1984. And not just taking place in 84, mm-hmm. but made in 1984. So Faith and I came up with a consensus for this. This, this was difficult, <laughs> and it, it was really a 1 and a 1A. <laughs> but uh, Faith, first the first Friday. The first Wang. I would like the, the first Golden <laughs> Wang goes to, who's it go to, Faith? It goes to Michael Keaton for Beetlejuice. Why did you go Michael Keaton? Because you either want to go Robert England or Michael <laughs> Keaton, right? And yes. there are a lot of similarities between those two performances. Yes. And they both have not a lot of screen time in both of those films. No. You know, so. And they both wear stripes. They do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think my pick for, for that was just. He is so good. He he just comes into that movie and steals every he scene. He electrifies that, he is that in, movie. Yeah, you know, and it's just that movie's his, and it As I, had to go to him. And yeah, and I'm a Freddy Krueger died in the wolf I fan, mean, and it, it was Keaton just me too. But there's just something about Keaton in Beetlejuice that's just you know undeniable. <laughs> and there's there's so much uh, synergy between those two performances too. Mm-hmm. And it's, it was really hard to pick one, but my my. My gut was, it's Keaton. Yeah. It's Keaton. He he makes that movie. He does really, really what it is. He's uh, maybe, maybe the best thing in a movie with a lot of really, really. I know. Really good things. I know. So, all right. So we are moving on. Uh, and Michael Keaton could not be here tonight, obviously. So we gladly accept this golden wang golden on wang. his behalf. <laughs> moving on. Uh, our next category is. Best creature. Ooh. Ooh. Faith, if you would do the honors, please. <laughs> All right. Best creature nominees. I have picked Gilman from Creature from the Black Lagoon. Predator from Predator. The original one. Uh, 1987. Am I right? Correct. Mm-hmm. The Graboids from Tremors. The Thing from The Thing. And Godzilla from Godzilla. That is my list. That, that is my list, too. The same list? Okay. Um... <laughs> These creatures here, uh, 
one of the things I like about this, it spotlights everything we've done on the show. And this really kind of gets into the sci-fi element of the mm-hmm. show and, and the creature features and the horror films that we do. A lot of sci-fi element oh, yeah. with it. Um, these, uh, some of these are sympathetic. Some of these, not so much. Um, do I get to announce the winner? Go for it. Of the second ever Friday? Yes. And the winner of the second ever Friday is The Predator from 1987. <laughs> Faith, why did you go with The Predator? Oh, it was a, it was actually kind of a tough decision because this list is this is a good list. <laughs> that's a that's a really and, and let me let's list. let's talk about this list. So we have and why I went with the Predator is because I think the Predator is a nice amalgamation of everything on this mm-hmm. list. You have the big creature in Godzilla, mm-hmm. which you know, but there's a sympathetic element to Godzilla. You have the Gill Man. Another, you know, kind of monster, but there's a sympathy to that, right. you know, a lot like a Karloff creature, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you have the Graboids from Tremors who are a throwback to those 50s movies uh-huh. and so wonderful. That's a fun movie. Then you have the thing who is a villainy, but we don't know what he looks like. Right. He's just there. <laughs> the Predator, you can't see him like the thing and he wants to kill you for sport. <laughs> and I just think it's gruesome. And the design you know, incorporates elements from the creature from the Black Lagoon yeah. and he's got the mandibles and it's just a, it's a vicious, it's a vicious creature that, design. That's, that's why I Stan picked it. Winston. It's vicious. I love the way, I know we talked about in our episode how it hunts you. Like, you know, it's just, that's creepy that you can't see it, but it yeah. sees everything you're doing, every movement you make. And it's hunting you for sport. Yeah. And that's just so creepy. <laughs> it's hunting you for sport. And uh, that movie scared me as a kid. Uh, the, the creature scared me mm-hmm. as a kid. And and I'm not going to lie, when we did it on the show, very early in the show, that movie still creeps me out. I and know. what I love about that movie, we're going to talk a little bit more about that movie later. It's kind of three movies in one. And we're going to we're going to mm-hmm. get into that when we because uh, it might be nominated for Best Picture as, as so. it <laughs> as it should be. Which brings us to our second nominee for Best Picture, the Alfred Hitchcock classic film from 1960, Psycho. So much of this movie is iconic. The score from Bernard Herrmann, the lead performances from Anthony Perkins and Vera Miles and Janet Lee, the character of Norman Bates, the situation, the shower scene. I mean, how, I could keep going, but I I'm going to stop right there. We did this movie during Thriller Month here mm-hmm. on the show. It capped off Thriller Month, and rightfully so. This is one of the greatest thrillers ever made. It's a precursor to the slasher genre. It's a, a genre we've covered a lot here on the show. Uh, what is it about Psycho that tickles your fancy so much? Because this is one of the greatest films ever made, and I'm reminded of it every time I watch it. Well, yeah, I mean, you just named kind of everything that's so great about it. But there's just this this vibe watching this movie that, you know, it's just that spooky element of what it just has that. 60 years old. Yeah. And still, still shocking. Yeah. And creeps me out when he comes in and he's wearing the mother's outfit, that smile on his face. It's creepy. Very creepy. It's very creepy. It's still effective. Uh, I think one of the greatest films ever made. I think so, too. For another view on this, let's go to the John Stanley Creature Features book. Let's see what he says about it. And I'm going to be very disappointed if Mr. Stanley did not give this uh, five stars. But if we can find it, (laughs) I mean, this is is part of it. As you can tell, we're very prepared. Oh, here we go. 
I say it's got to be in there. Psycho, 1960, five stars. The ultimate in horror thrills, a genuine genre classic. It's a series of cinematic tricks allowing director Alfred Hitchcock to indulge his unique, impactful techniques. The shower sequence, the most famous movie murder of all time, demonstrates the fine art of editing. And there are at least three other sequences that will have you leaping once Hitchcock focuses on Norman Bates, a reclusive young man who runs a motel and lives in a weird house with his domineering mother. But first, there's Janet Lee embezzling money from her boss and taking it on the lam. Later, her lover John Gavin and her sister Vera Miles search for her, as does investigator Martin Balsam. Then comes the sequence when Miles dares to enter the Bates cellar and, but we can't reveal more without spoiling the many thrills this adaptation of Robert Bloch's famous novel delivers. It was scripted faithfully by Joseph Stefano. This ultimate horror in schizophrenia isn't as far-fetched as it might seem. Block claims his descent into a killer's warped mind is based on a true-life case. The Great Score is by Bernard Herrmann. So there you go. Five stars, rightfully so. Perfect. And it was based on Ed Gein. We talked about that mm-hmm. on the episode. And um, really, just a great movie. It is. Uh, I, I love this movie so much. And we also covered Hitchcock, which uh, mm-hmm. uh, covers the making of it, dramatization of the making of it, featuring Anthony Hopkins and Helen Mirren. Mm-hmm. It's a movie we both really, really, really yeah. liked uh, for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is also worth a watch. And all of these episodes, I should say, are available wherever podcasts can be found. And uh, so there you go. That's our second nominated film of the evening. That brings us to our next category. Are you ready, Faith? I am ready. Best Supporting Actress. What you got? Let's hear your list. I'm up first, huh? Yes. My list. Best Supporting Actress from Bride of Frankenstein, Elsa Lanchester as the Bride. From Clue from 1985, Madeline Kahn as Mrs. White. From Black Christmas, 1974, Margot Kidder. Ah, Margot, one of our favorites here on the show. From the film we just mentioned, Psycho, 1960, Janet Lee, And from Beetlejuice, Catherine O'Hara. Very good list. Very good list. I have some similarities. I have Madeline Kahn for Clue. I also have Catherine O'Hara for Beetlejuice. Elsa Lanchester for Bride of Frankenstein. I have Adrian Barbeau for The Fog. And Janet Lee for Psycho. These are all very good performances. You know, I was worried because we limited ourselves to five <laughs> because there were so many good, I know. good performances. Uh, any of these really, really stick out to you? You know, for some reason, I put Adrienne Barbeau on here for The Fog. There's something about her in that movie that really sticks out to me or stuck with me. The voice. Yeah, there's just, I don't know. She just... She stands out. It to could me be from because we're coming off of doing Urban Legend too, where we had Tara Reid in the so. DJ role, which is a completely different, uh, <laughs> completely different vibe. Um, the one that leaves the biggest impression for me is Elsa Lanchester mm-hmm. in Bride of Frankenstein. Talk about little screen time. She's not in it very much. Not playing at all. two roles too, which is <laughs> yeah. very interesting. Playing Mary Shelley, but we have a winner. In this yes, category, Faith, please announce the winner of the Golden Wang. And the winner for gold, the Golden Wang goes to Catherine O'Hara for Beetlejuice. Uh, we invited Catherine O'Hara to be part of tonight's festivities, but she did not reply. Yeah. We're sure she's a wonderful person and had a lot of other better things to do. I'm sure. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Our next category is Best Sequel. I am checking my program notes, and that is indeed... What is next? I have my list here for best sequel. A movie we've talked about quite a bit here. Bride of Frankenstein from 1935. 
A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors from 1987. Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives, 1986. 1992's Batman Returns and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom from 1984. Faith, what do you have? I have Batman Returns, Bride of Frankenstein, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, Halloween 2, and Wes Craven's New Nightmare. All fun movies. All of them do a little something different from the source material. That's why I like these movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the most misunderstood films of all time is on this list in, in Batman Returns. Yeah. That's a movie we did very early in the history of this show and a film I'm very, very fond of. Me too. <laughs> One of my favorites. Nightmare on Elm Street 3 is a show that we did a commentary on. We will be doing a proper episode on it mm-hmm. probably around Halloween time. Mm-hmm. Getting, it's always good to do some Freddy Krueger around Halloween, oh, yes. isn't it? It really is. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, a movie that a lot of people look down on for some reason and we both really, really love. Mm-hmm. And uh, Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives. That might be my favorite of the <laughs> Friday movies. Again, because it feels like an old universal it does. monster movie. It does. No, I, that, that almost made my list, but I kind of wanted to just change it up just a little bit. Uh, Halloween 2 has always kind of been one of my favorites after the original Halloweens. That's kind of why it made it. A New Nightmare is just... That's one of the greatest so films. Uh, it's so out there. I love that film. I know. I love that film. Faith, please announce the winner of The Golden Wang. The winner goes to... Bride of Frankenstein. How could it not? <laughs> I, I think it's the greatest sequel ever made. We said that at the time of the recording. Mm-hmm. I went back and listened to that. It's, it's apologies to Empire Strikes Back and Godfather 2 and <laughs> all those you know, real arty movies. No, it's, it's Bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's such a great movie. All right, that brings us to our uh, next nominated film, 1978's kind of genre-defining film, John Carpenter's Halloween. Faith, this is one of your favorites, isn't it? It is. What is it about this movie? Uh, This kicks off the golden age of the slasher. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we have a classic universal monster movie in the mix. We have uh, the prototype of the slasher film in Psycho. Now we have the first, kind of the first real slasher film proper. 1978's Halloween from director John Carpenter. I know this is one of your favorite movies, and I know that the killer in this film is one of your favorites of all time. What is it about... Mm -hmm this movie that just keeps you coming back. It just feels so, (laughs) I don't want to use the word like homey, maybe nostalgic or something is the right technical word. I don't know. I just, I I watched this for so long and there's always just this feeling of watching it and he's just so creepy and everything about it. I love it. I love the look of it, the vibe, the sounds. I mean, yeah. And when you see a movie that tries to do Halloween and doesn't do it as well, it makes Halloween look all the more better. Exactly. A lot of imitators for this movie. Yes. John Stanley gave it four stars. Four stars out of five. 1978, the low-budget moneymaker, which launched director John Carpenter's career, and five sequels is a valentine to October 31st. A series of jolts designed to shock, rock, and knock as it depicts a psychopathic madman who escapes from an asylum and terrorizes babysitters and their boyfriends in a small Midwestern town. The killer is unkillable, allowing for a surprise ending. Director Carpenter, who scripted with producer Deborah Hill, knows his scare tactics, never letting the viewer relax. The graphic, stylish murders helped establish the slasher trend. Donald Pleasance portrays the psychiatrist. Jamie Lee Curtis is a screaming target who experiences the ultimate in blood-curdling horror. Nancy Loomis, Nick Castle, Charles Cipher's PJ Souls. Original title, The Babysitter Murders. (laughs) 
Ooh. <laughs> One of the great slasher films of all time. And I know people who don't like slasher films who love Halloween and rightfully so. There, because yeah, it's one of those right movies I think that transcends the genre because it defines the genre. And I think if you're a movie lover, you need to see Halloween. Mm-hmm. I think you need to see most of the movies that we have on this list if you're a movie oh, yeah. lover. I think they transcend the horror genre. I think so too. Yeah, this is That brings us to our final category before the break. Best slasher film. How do you like that segue, Faith? I like that a lot. Let me find it here on my my notes. While here. you do that, I will I will I will let out All right. my my nominees here. My nominees for best slasher film. Halloween from nineteen seventy eight. Mm-hmm. From nineteen ninety six, Wes Craven's Scream. A Nightmare on Elm Street from nineteen eighty four and director Wes Craven, both of those. Movies from Wes Craven. Wonderful, wonderful. Yes. Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives and Black Christmas from 1974 and director Bob Clark. Faith, what do you have for uh, best slasher film nominees? I have Scream. I have Freddy versus Jason. Halloween from 1978. A Nightmare on Elm Street. And you didn't do this right. Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives. That's right. We we uh we said in the episode it needs an exclamation mark after because it, it sounds like a musical, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Jason lives. We might need to write that. We might have to. What is it about the slasher genre that you and I we we both love the slasher genre? Mm-hmm. Again, I think it's like a nostalgia thing because I feel like I grew up watching all these films, so watching them just you feel right at home watching them. You. <laughs> yeah. Totally. <laughs> All right, may I? Go for may it. I, may I give the golden wang? Go for it. And the golden wang goes to, ready? Yes. Halloween from 1978. Yeah. Rightfully so, I think. Oh, yes. Because Scream is the meta version of the slasher film. Nightmare on Elm Street is the supernatural version mm-hmm. of it. I'm looking at my nominees here. Friday the 13th is... Uh, another supernatural take on it, mm-hmm. uh, not quite as good or insightful as Nightmare on Elm Street uh, from '84. Uh, Black Christmas is the prototype, one of the one of the grandfathers of the uh, of the genre. Not quite all the way there. Halloween, it just it all comes together right there. It does. And and Halloween, that's that's what I can say about that. But all of those are fine films and a lot of they're a lot of fun to watch. They are. I mean, I love every single movie on both of these lists. So yeah. Same here. But Halloween just Hall- it's, <laughs> it's it's just, it's just a it's a it's, it's a, just there. May I say it? Yes. May we may we end this on a bad pun? It's a cut above. <laughs> on that note, we're gonna take a very short break. I am Dan. Good night, and we will see you on the other side. cartoon ghosts that look like fluffy bedsheets, and not the dancing spirits you might see on a magic midsummer's night, but real ghosts, big city ghosts, foul, stinking, hostile troublemakers who don't have the decency to lie down when they're dead. Well, they're out there, and someone's got to stop them. It's a job for professionals. It's a job for the Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters! Dr. Ray, dance, would you please? The heart of the Ghostbusters.
looking at a disaster of biblical proportion. Real wrath of God type stuff. Exactly. Fire and brimstone coming down from the sky, seas and rivers boiling. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. The brave, the best, the only... Ghostbusters. Starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, and Rick Moranis. Ghostbusters, coming to save the world this summer. We're ready to believe you. Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, and Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones are on location in San Francisco, Hong Kong, Macau, Sri Lanka in the Indian Ocean, and in London filming the greatest adventure of all time, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Trust me. For the summer of 84, from Paramount Pictures. The kids of Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? We just see cuts happen. What did that, Lieutenant? I don't know. There's a coroner got to say. In the jaw and puking since he saw it. You're gonna kill me for sure. Did you do it? There was somebody else there. He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. No one knows where it came from or who it will visit next. Nancy, there's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Nightmare on Elm Street. Ah! Do you believe in the boogeyman? No. Whatever you do, don't. Fall asleep. No! She's the only one who can stop it. If she fails. I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. No one will survive. Craven, director of The Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the Left, a new masterpiece in fantasy terror, Nightmare on Elm Street. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And it's a special edition. It is the Fridays, our yeah. first mm. ever award show. We are taking a look back at all of the films we have done on the show, and we decided, because we liked the performance of John Vernon so much in Killer Clowns from Outer Space, <laughs> we said, hey, someone should give him an award. Well, he didn't win an award tonight, but he did inspire... <laughs> The first ever Fridays. It's wait. It's just so funny. You're like somebody should give him a award, but it won't be us. <laughs> Poor John Vernon. I hope he doesn't haunt us. <laughs> All right. Our next nominated film for Best Picture is a real classic in the genre, The Shining from 1980. 
Uh, John Stanley, in his book Creature Features, gave it three and a half stars. Uh, Stanley Kubrick's uneven adaptation of Stephen King's bestseller set in the Overlook, a haunted hotel in the Rockies, and featuring a boy with powers of telepathy and prophecy. Kubrick's camera is fluid and creates brilliant sequences. Jack Torrance, played by Jack Nicholson, and family haunted by a moldy corpse. Wife Shelley Duvall discovering a weird manuscript by her husband. A chase through a hedgerow maze. Torrance meeting ghostly bartender Joseph Turkle. And the deterioration of Torrance as he chases his wife with an axe. But director Kubrick and co-writer Diane Johnson have erringly and frequently deviated from King's masterful plot and neglected important exposition. Scenes are enigmatic and frustrating when they should be thrilling and enlightening. Scatman Crothers plays a man who, like Torrance's son, has The Shining, but it's another misinterpreted role. I agree to a point with some of that, and I disagree with a lot of it. I I disagree with sticking to Stephen King's uh, source material because I've seen the ABC adaptation, the three-part, I believe, adaptation of The Shining with Stephen Weber of Wings and Rebecca de Mornay. And I don't feel that it's anywhere near as good or terrifying as this. I I feel that Kubrick found the layer hiding underneath Mm -hmm. all of the horror that Stephen King gives us. I will say this. uh, Kubrick's movie doesn't work without King's work. And and, and I don't think King's story is as good without Kubrick's interpretation of it. Mm So that's my take on that. What do you think of The Shining? I love The Shining. This has always been one of my favorite movies, and it's always creeped me out, especially watching it at a younger age. It's just always been so, I don't know, so creepy in a way. But, yeah, I mean, I agree with some of that, but I I, I disagree with a lot of what he's saying. It's a very, very moody movie. Yeah, And for a lot of people, that defines horror. I found that when we were doing that... uh, uh, the episode and I was doing research. A lot of people like this is like horror to them. Mm-hmm. It's one of those films. Uh, I think it's a great movie. I'm, I love I'm, it. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of captivated by it. Right. That, that's, that's a that's a very good word. You're you're kind of just kind of just staring at it. <laughs> you know, you kind of can't stop watching it. And when it's on, every time it's on, I feel like I watch it because I just I love it so much. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. Uh, I find something new in it every time mm-hmm. I watch it. Yeah. It's a movie that rewards repeat viewings mm-hmm. and infinite patience. <laughs> so yes. uh, one of the great uh, iconic performances, too, in that movie from Jack Nicholson. So very, very, very good, very good film. And I think a worthy film to be on the list of, uh, of best pictures. Oh, yeah. That brings us to our next category, best creature feature. The Predator won best creature a little while ago. But this is creature feature. So the film proper. What you looking at, Faith? Uh... I'm confused with my list here. We're going to have to cut all this out. No, we're not. Here are my nominees for Best Creature Feature Film. Trimmers from 1990. Them. That's an exclamation mark. From 1954. Godzilla from 1954. The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Also from 1954. What was in the water in 1954. (laughs) Killer Clowns from Outer Space. 1988. Those are my nominees for Best Creature Feature. I see what happened here. I gave you the winner of this category, and I don't have the winner on my list. Ah. That's where my confusion okay. was. I had American Werewolf in London, Godzilla, Them, Creature from the Black Lagoon, and Killer Clowns from Outer Space. There you go. All right. <laughs> okay. 
That's that's, that's where, it where is. my confusion what was. What was in the water in 1954? It could have been our our fear of atomic war. That could have been <laughs> maybe it. so. Let's look at those films from 1954: Them, Godzilla, and the Creature from the Black Lagoon. Godzilla's the one we had the most emotional resonance with. I think. Mm-hmm. I think we were. I know you in particular were surprised by how emotional that film yeah, was. I was. I, I love it. I think about that movie quite often. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, the Creature from the Black Lagoon is probably my favorite from of those three from mm-hmm. 54. Another misunderstood monster. Mm-hmm. Not as sympathetic as Godzilla, but still on the sympathy scale. And then we had just the outright fun of them <laughs> from 1954. And, and another film that took us both by surprise with how much yes. we liked it because it was a first time watch for both of us. Yes. Uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Another one, a lot of fun. American Werewolf we're about to get to in a second. Uh, the winner here, though, if I may announce the Golden Wing, is Tremors from 1990. That is one of the funnest movies is. <laughs> ever made. Uh, John Stanley in his book gave it, I think, four and a half out of five stars. Says it's just one of the great romps of all time. It's funny. It's terrifying in places. The special effects are great, great creatures. It's everything you want in a monster movie. I know. I'm not sure why I didn't put it on my list. I'm stupid, I guess. Faith was nice enough, though, when she realized (laughs) she hadn't put it on her list. And she went, no, that's it. Maybe it was like number six. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Trimmers, yeah. You got to give it to Trimmers. (laughs) Well, yes. You absolutely do. So, congratulations, Trimmers, on your golden wang. So, it brings us to our next nominated film American Werewolf in London from 1981. From director John Landis uh, in the Creature Features book, this landed four out of five stars. This film, with the howling, established new trends and monster movie effects. Rick Baker demonstrates a brilliance in transforming David Naughton into a hairy creature, not with old-fashioned time-lapse techniques, but by showing Naughton's body stretching, twisting, expanding, and agonizingly popping into its new lycanthropic shape. It's enthralling to watch the transformation, and you know movies can never be the same again. John Lannis' scripting and directing are homages to old-fashioned werewolf movies, but he contributes his own tongue-in-cheek comedy through innovative dialogue With a, when a dead friend, Griffin Dunn, keeps returning in various stages of decomposition to warn Naughton he will suffer transmutation. Ginny Agator provides love interest. So there you go. I agree wholeheartedly with that assessment. Me we too. just did this recently on the show mm-hmm. and might be one of my favorites Mine too. ever. <laughs> and it says on the poster, the monster movie. It really kind of is the monster <laughs> movie. And I love this film because it provides a nice bridge between the classic universal and hammer films mm-hmm. that we all love the, the old school but it also kind of bridges the way into the 80s slasher genre. Right. And it's coming right there in 81. The slasher genre is in full swing. This is not a slasher film. But the standards were a little relaxed. So they could show a little bit more. And American Werewolf in London takes full advantage of that. I think it's one of the finest horror films ever made. I really do. I think so, too. I think if anybody's like, I don't know about horror films. You know, if you need to introduce someone to a horror film, I think American Werewolf in London is the place to yeah. start. I really do. I really, I agree. I think it's a good segue into, you know, introducing people to horror films. I think, yeah, it's a really good, really good movie. Speaking of good movies, our next nominated film is a really good movie and is one of my personal favorites. It is the 1984 West Craven film, a nightmare on Elm street. It's a box office hit with Robert England as maniacal killer Freddy Krueger, who wears a glove with long knives at the fingertips. 
Kruger is a supernatural entity in a slouch hat who turns up in the dreams of teenagers and proceeds to murder them. Ooh. <laughs> Director Wes Craven's script is weak on exposition and logic, but it didn't bother audiences as he focuses in on suspenseful murders and bloody special effects with atmosphere and spooky shadows abounding. This led to five sequels and a TV series. John Saxon, rest in peace, Mr. Saxon. Heather Langenkamp, Ronnie Blakely, Johnny Depp. He gave it four out of five stars in the Creature Features book. I give it five out of five. I think it's one of the greatest slasher films of all time. And I think it transcends the slasher genre in so many ways. I actually don't think of it as a slasher film. I, I, I think it's a little I more. I don't either. I think it's a little more intelligent than a slasher mm-hmm. film. And, and if you want to hear the depth of what I think is in the film, you can check out our episode on it. I'm not going to get into it here. But I think Freddy Krueger, the character plays on our real deep base human fears. I think he's one of the greatest movie characters ever put on screen. And I think uh, the performance from Robert England is one of the greatest in the horror genre. And I am a fan. I will fully admit (laughs) my bias, but I think there's something really special and magical about this film. And I think, you know, with great literature and great stories going all the way back to like the Greeks and the campfires and things like that, they, they teach us how to live. And I think that A Nightmare on Elm Street is a treatise on how to live. I I think not being afraid and turning your back on fear and not giving that fear power. I think these are powerful, powerful lessons. And it's in a little little (laughs) horror movie, right, Faith? (laughs) Right. What is it about A Nightmare on Elm Street that that just gets you and keeps you coming back? Because I know it keeps you coming back. Oh, it does. No, I've always loved this movie. It's uh, I definitely give it five out of five stars, too. I think the four is a little a little low there. There's something about Freddy Krueger that's just so mean. And then you open my eyes to kind of these deeper things about this movie that, you know, that might be in this movie. And it's like, whoa, it kind of opens your eyes to so many things happen in there. And it's even better. And I don't, it's just. The movie is timeless because that character is timeless and for Mm -hmm. all time. It's rooted in our great fears. And it, I think that movie. I hope I'm not overstating this shows us a path forward. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of love in that movie. And I think a lot right. of, a lot of understanding of human nature is in that film and the nature of reality too. So yeah. a lot of, a lot of heavy stuff in that film, but it's also a lot of fun to watch. And, exactly. and uh, Robert England is so engaging and so unrepentant. And I think of <laughs> all of the characters that we're going to talk about tonight, I think, he is the most unrepentant. And yeah. we almost added the category of unrepentant son of a bitch <laughs> just to give him an award for it, you know. Um, what is it about Freddy, though? Freddy, because there's there are a lot of different Freddies, too. There's the really dark, mean Freddy mm-hmm. in this film. Then there's the pop culture Freddy. And then there's uh, the Wes Craven New Nightmare, kind of what we talked about, just kind of encompassing you know, the, mm-hmm. the storytelling and, and evil that can be captured and, and, and showing you the nature of reality. What is it about Freddy Krueger, though? I mean, because I'm still trying to answer this question for myself. I've been enthralled with him since I was a kid and scared of him and still wanting to kind of, you know, yeah. poke the monster a little bit, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, just from, from the first movie alone, I mean, there is just something just so vicious about him. And, you know, all the and slashes are... And you forget are... it until you get into it, because I watched it recently and went... Oh my God, this is so not vile. It's, it's so vicious. It is. And I think that mean, I feel like he takes his time 
with people? Does that make any sense? Like, you know, well, I mean, feeding on the fear. Yeah, and it's it's not just like I'm gonna stab somebody and move on, find my next victim. It's like this torturous. As as Robert England says, he's a man who enjoys his work. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, God bless Wes Craven. I, I think that's a I think it's a great piece of entertainment, but I think it's. I really do. I think if you can watch that movie with open eyes mm-hmm. and, and see the deeper levels working there, there, there's a lot of stuff happening in that movie. Right. And like I said, God bless Wes Craven. He was he's one of the greatest ever working in this genre. Oh, yeah. So, uh, very worthy nominee on the list. So <laughs> that movie has a great score, doesn't it? It does. It really does. And that brings us to our next Friday category: best score. Faith, you have the honor. What are your nominees for best score? I have Halloween from John Carpenter, The Thing from Ennio Morricone, I have Unbreakable, James Newton Howard, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Charles Bernstein, and Psycho, Bernard Herman, or Herman, excuse me. I have those exact same nominees on my list. (laughs) What do you know? The score that I think I like, the that I can listen to the most, I should say, is Unbreakable by James Newton Howard. I think that is a wonderful, wonderful score. It's just such a good piece of music. It's just... That, that main theme, Visions, yeah. is beautiful. The most iconic here, I think, would probably be Psycho. Psycho. That's the one, you know, definitely in the pop culture. And you can play those two notes and people just know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, been, it's definitely been parodied the most. The Thing is the one that's the strength, that the outlier here, because there's really not a lot of score, there's not a lot of melody. But when you hear that score in the context of the movie, it's so perfect. I would say that the most unsettling of these is A Nightmare on Elm Street because mm-hmm. there's so much atonality and screeching right. in that. And it's the score is actually what creeps me out the most mm-hmm. when I'm watching that movie. Uh, yeah. Charles Bernstein did uh, White Lightning with Burt Reynolds way back in the day. He had a wonderful career, and there's some really neat things going on in that score. Then you get you get to John Carpenter's Halloween, and it's genre-defining. Again, like that film. <laughs> yeah. Like that film. And uh, I think uh, I think you, you all might know where we're leaning with this. Do you have anything you'd like to say about these scores before we announce I the winner? I think you nailed it on the head. Everything you just said was spot on. I mean. Would you uh, like the honors of announcing the winner? I know you really I want the honors. <laughs> the winner for best score is Halloween from John Carpenter. Uh, we made mention of this in the Halloween episode. Uh, it is in the time signature of 5-5, five, five, which gives it a little bit of a weirdness yeah an uneasy an uneasy feeling yeah and i think that just does it's it's so well done and so iconic <laughs> and so fits with uh with with that that world mm-hmm. I, I think it's i think it's really really good um so there you go so congratulations john carpenter he's not here we will collect your golden wings sir <laughs> So our we next sure are. Wait, we sure are accumulating a lot I of these I don't know what we're going to do with all these golden wings. Uh, it brings us to our next category, Best Ensemble. We have had some really great ensemble cast that we've talked about on this show. These are what we consider to be the best of the best. Faith, you have the honor. Would you please read your nominees for Best Ensemble? I have Clue, Predator, Monster Squad, Trimmers, and Ghostbusters. I have that, but I add The Thing. Very nice. I would add the thing to that. Uh, let's talk about the guys. I want to talk about one of these groups in particular, Predator. I want to talk about the guys <laughs> from Predator. What is it? Because you fell in love with these guys. I did. That movie, I don't think, would be anything without, without those guys. And it's that group of guys. It is. <laughs> and there, there is, uh, there's a woman in it. 
mm-hmm. it's the guys that you remember in that movie. And it's amazing because Arnold Schwarzenegger, I wouldn't say gets upstaged in that movie, but he's definitely part of an ensemble for mm-hmm. two thirds of that movie. Yeah. And what a wonderful, you know, uh, concoction of characters around. You got Jesse Ventura and <laughs> Bill Duke. Carl Weathers is in it. <laughs> I know. You know, which is amazing. Uh, Shane Black uh, is, is in it. So, I love that. I love the look of those guys. I love the the camaraderie and the uh, just just the the pacing of yeah. of their their chemistry. Mm-hmm. There's a real chemistry. Uh, Sonny Landom is in the movie too. Really, really great. Ghostbusters, another great great cast. I mean, that's an all star comedy cast in a horror film. <laughs> Tremors is one that gets overlooked though as an ensemble because Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward are the leads. But my gosh, the whole cast of weirdos in that in that is is wonderful. Um, Monster Squad too. I mean, the thing of I mean, the the guys in the thing. You know, oh, no. I'd love to see the guys in the thing interact with the guys in Predator. Oh, I'd love to see what that is. Would you please uh, uh, give us the winner? I think you have the winner for this ensemble. one. I do, don't I? It's Clue. Okay, that's what I thought it was, but I thought we might have changed it. I wasn't sure. Clue from 1985. <laughs> we both love that movie. Not exactly a horror movie, but a mystery film. Uh, another one comes from Landis. Uh, mm-hmm. He was an uh, executive producer on that. It's funny. It's just <laughs> funny. And What do you love about, about that cast? A cast that includes Madeline Kahn, Christopher Lloyd, Leslie Ann Warren, Michael McKean, Ellen Burstyn, Tim Curry. I feel like I'm Martin Mull. There you go. What's not to love? I mean, seriously, they're so funny, and they, I feel like they just blend so well together here. They don't step on each other. Not at all. And, and we made this comment, I think, when we did the film. In modern comedies, you kind of want they want to step on each other's toes mm-hmm. and try to be smarter than the other person. Right. A lot of ad libbing. These all have this unique comedic voice, and they all just blend so well together. Exactly. And everybody shines. That's they the thing. Do. And no one's trying to steal scenes from the other. They're all just there playing. <laughs> and I think that's the rich, rewarding experience of watching Clue is spending yeah. time with those weirdos <laughs> in that house. <laughs> do you have a favorite of those weirdos? Oh man. It's a toss-up for me between Madeline Kahn and Michael McKean. That's exactly what I was about to say. It's tough. And I think that film has the greatest last line of any movie <laughs> ever. Mr. Green, played by Michael McKean, who's actually an FBI agent who you think is homosexual for the entirety of the movie, at the end says, I'm going home to sleep with my wife. And it's just so <laughs> funny the way that the way that that's played. Great, great cast, great actors. Uh, again, they are not here to collect their golden wang. What a shame. <laughs> I guess we have a, a collection growing still. Yes. This brings us to our next nominated film. This film is one of my favorites as I look for it here in the book. Faith from 1985. Movie we both really, really loved. Fright Night. Yes. And how fitting that we're about to look this up in the John Stanley book, He Himself a Horror Host. A movie that celebrates the horror host. And this is a piece of horror history that I'm really getting into. What was it about Fright Night that really got you because this isn't as with all of these you really like this movie i did i i i just really like the whole the vibe of it i like the cast i love this i love the story it's very um it's very simple but i think it's so well done it was 
I don't know. I loved it a lot. Yes. Uh, he gave it three and a half stars. Okay. Uh, Writer-director Tom Holland, uh, author of Psycho 2, uses the boy cried werewolf plot. But with ingenious twist, William Ragsdale is convinced a vampire lives next door, but mom, his girlfriend, and best friend aren't. Roddy McDowell is marvelous as a late-night creature features host to whom, to whom Ragsdale turns for help. Eventually, the girl, Amanda Bierce, a school chum, Stephen Jeffries, and McDowell enter the vampire's abode, and a night of terrors begins with Richard Edlund providing effects in all their fury. Chris Sarandon has great fun as the vampire, knowing when to be subtle and when to ham it up. I agree with that completely. He has a handsome assistant, and a homosexual relationship is suggested but never elaborated on. And dig that sequence in a disco when the vampire mesmerizes Beers, a box office hit that was followed by Fright Night Part 2. I agree with that. I would I would have gone a little higher on the rating. Now, this I would have, my, too. This film was my... Uh, entry way into horror films, modern horror films at the time. Because okay. I saw this on HBO back when I was six or seven, and it didn't scare me. I was so taken with it. <laughs> yeah, it's not a terrifying movie, but I, I think there's some things in it that are kind of horrific, but so well done. I, I, I think I would have gone a little higher myself on, this, on, the, on the rating. Um, Roddy McDowell, for me, is the thing that really keeps pulling me back to this movie. Mm-hmm. I, I love his performance as Peter Vincent, named after Peter Cushing and Vincent Price, two of our, our, our great horror actors. Um, it's it's fun. It it's is. a fun movie. I love the look of it. I, I love <laughs> the too. story. Uh, I guess maybe in a way, like I wanted to be that kid when I was growing up in a way I wanted to fight monsters and, you know, and, and, and know the monster people, right. you know, <laughs> it's a wonderful movie though. It, 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 is. it really is. Chris Sarandon, enough cannot be said about his performance in that. I think one of the great uh, screen vampires of all time, Jerry Dandridge. And there are certainly overtones in that movie that are handled so well. Uh, It's a subtle movie, too. It's it's a classic for me in the genre. And Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people love that movie a whole lot. Like I said, I'll always have a soft spot for it because it was my entryway into you know, modern horror. And the other thing I like about it, it came out in 85 at the height of the slasher genre. Yeah. And it's a throwback to Hammer and Universal. And I love that. Yeah, I love like that a nice little uh, homage to it, you know? I like that. Yes. Yeah. So speaking of the slasher genre, uh, they're going to pop up uh, <laughs> kind of frequently here in, uh, <laughs> in our next category, which is Best Kill. All right, Faith, are you ready for this? I am ready. All right. What are your nominees for best kill? I have the Johnny Depp Glenn kill from Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, Danny the Kitchen Death from Halloween 1978. I have Janet Lee as Marion Crane in Psycho. Drew Barrymore as Casey Becker in Scream. And I have the Meat Hook Death for uh, Pam from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I would like to add the girls in Death Proof from 2004 when Kurt Russell kills them all with a car. And I could not pick one, but I went all the kills in Predator. (laughs) Other than that, my list looks exactly like yours. Uh, Are there any there that you would like to talk about that really just speak? I think the Drew Barrymore death scene is maybe uh, there's so many iconic moments here. But I think, you know, that uh, in the 90s really set the template for a lot of things Mm -hmm. that came after. So definitely got to give credit to that for Wes Craven. Oh, yeah. And that was uh, in our very first movie that we ever talked about, our very first show. And that was the very first thing I think (laughs) we talked about, how well that's done, how well he gives you the information of you see the phone, Mm -hmm. the first thing in the movie, which is the killer's weapon, really. And then you see the layout of the house and the outside. So he's giving you the information. I think it's a well-constructed scene. I think so, too. I think it's one of the best and most iconic in horror. 
Like yeah. I said, this is a list with the shower scene on it, which <laughs> is amazing. I know. You know, there are books written about the shower scene. Um, and I don't think we can talk enough about the Johnny Depp kill in A Nightmare on Elm Street. No. I mean, God. No. Um, the kitchen kill from Halloween, what I like about that is the way he just kind of turns his head and looks at it yeah. afterwards. But we can only have one winner and Faith, what is the winner of the Golden Wang? The winner is the meat hook kill, Pam, from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Because it's so brutal. mean and brutal <laughs> and awful. just awful. I and mean, it gave me problems yeah. watching it. Honestly, me too. <laughs> because it was so uncomfortable. And let's give uh, credit to Toby Hooper because you don't even really see blood. That's the thing. Like, I know. you see it from a distance and you hear it and it's vicious and mean and then it's over and you're left with the <laughs> scarred imprint of and that it's almost kill. like you can feel it and you just, oh, it's just so terrible. Yeah, that's such a brutal way to go. It really, really a is an iconic <laughs> moment from a pretty iconic film. Yeah. Really iconic film. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of those films that really kickstarted the slasher genre. That and Black Christmas, not quite there all the way, but but right. getting close. Uh, what did I say? Did I say Black Christmas? You did. I did. Very did. good. That's another great, great film. I love that movie. But uh, So there you go. Best kill. Well, it is time for us to take a very short break. And when we come back, you're going to want to you're going to stick around for this. We got the big categories coming. I'm got ready. The big categories coming. I am ready to. I wonder I am if Dan. anybody showed up. Sorry no, no to one interrupt you. But no, it's all right. No one has shown up. No one wants to come collect their golden wings. I really don't know <laughs> what we're going to do with all of these golden dildos <laughs> hanging around the studio. I don't know. We'll either. see if we can figure out what to do with them. I'm Dan, <laughs> and I and we'll see you on the other side. in this room has the perfect motive Stand back! for murder. What do you mean? Murder. But only one of these suspects is the murderer. Is it the timid Mr. Green? Why are you screaming? Because I'm frightened! Oh, what? Screaming! Or the militant Colonel Mustard? Oh, if I was the killer, I would kill you next. Huh? I said half. Half. Mrs. White, who helped her husband on his way. What's the matter of life after death? Now that he's dead, I have a life. Ah! Miss Scarlet, who's helped many men along the way. Practice makes perfect. Huh. Professor Plum, who's looking for a way. I'm looking, I'm looking. Mrs. Peacock. I have absolutely no idea what we're doing here, but I am determined to enjoy myself. Or did the butler do it? No. 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 Paramount Pictures invites you to an evening of mystery. Murder. This is getting quite serious. And madness. <laughs> In the movie that makes a scene of the crime. <laughs> Clue. It's not just a game anymore. Your rescue team. 
not assassins. Now, what are we gonna do? In a part of the world where there are no rules. We pick up their trail at the chopper, run them down, grab those hostages before anybody knows we were there. What do you mean we? Deep in the jungle, where nothing that lives is safe. You lose it here. You're in a world of hurt. Showtime, Jen. Knock, knock. An elite rescue squad. You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> is being led by the ultimate warrior. We need the best. That's why you're here. But now... What's got Billy so spooked? There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. They're up against the ultimate enemy. Holy mother of God. Nothing like it has ever been on Earth before. She says the jungle just came alive and took it. We cannot see it. No blood, no bodies. We hit nothing. But it sees the heat of our bodies and the heat of our fear. Whatever it is out there, it killed Hopper. And now it wants us. It kills for pleasure. He was skinned alive! It hunts for sport. He's killing us one at a time. We're all gonna die. But this time, it's picked the wrong man to hunt. If it bleeds, you can kill it. Century Fox presents Arnold Schwarzenegger. Predator. The hunt begins Friday, June 12th at theaters everywhere. Halloween night. A small American town. Fifteen years ago. seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. I think he'll come back. Exploring uncharted territory. And totally charted. Just talk. Sure, sure. sure. Mm -hmm. The only reason she babysits is to have him.
came home. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we are going to finish it up. Our first ever award show, The Frighties, brought about because John Vernon was so good in Killer Clowns from Outer Space, yet he did not win. Yeah, deserved an award and did not win. Didn't get it. What are the odds there? (laughs) We didn't plan it that way. We don't make the rules. We just follow them. There you go. That brings us to our second our third to last, I should say, uh, nominated film for Best Picture that we've covered here on the show. That is one of our favorites, John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. Let's go to John Stanley and see what he says about it. All right. Outstanding John Carpenter-directed version of John W. Campbell's Who Goes There, the classic novella first brought to the screen by Howard Hawks in 1951. While that film is remembered for suspense and characterizations and not for monster or effects, Carpenter has striven for exactly the opposite value, stressing the shape-changing extraterrestrial beasts at the expense of all else. Yet it is the single facet that makes the film so compelling. Rob Bottin and a team of tripsters, tricksters, I'm sorry, create remarkably grisly, gruesome effects, perhaps the most gruesome ever captured on film. Agreed. According to Bottin, there are 45 different glimpses of the creature as it undergoes change. The stuff of our worst nightmares, this will give children bad dreams and may even upset adults. True. <laughs> The cast is topped by Kurt Russell with strong support from Wilfred Brimley, T.K. Carter, Richard Dysart, and Richard Mauser. The setting is an Antarctic research station where scientists are isolated by a raging storm. Meanwhile, the thing, freed from imprisonment in the ice, where it has been for 100,000 years, next to its crash saucer, begins taking shape, quote-unquote. The screenplay is by William Lancaster, son of Bert, is muddled, but as a special effects classic, this is the greatest. He gave it four stars. I would respectfully disagree that it's muddled. I think this thing is streamlined, and I give it five stars. But Mr. Stanley is definitely entitled to his opinion. Right. I agree with you, though. I'd give it five. This movie uh, left an impression on me as a kid. It continues to leave an impression. This is a movie we talked about. um, Which one? uh, I mentioned one I go back to, The Shining. This Mm -hmm. is a movie I go back to regularly, and I get more out of it every time. And I'm constantly reminded of how good this movie really is. What is it about the thing that uh, struck a nerve for you. I remember the first time I watched it, it was a few years back. I think it was, I think you recommended it. I mean, obviously. And I was like, oh my God. I mean, I've been missing on this movie. There's just so much creepiness to it. You can't see this thing. You don't know, you know, who's, who's who, really. It's just. At the time of this recording, we are still in the middle of a quote unquote pandemic. That's all yes. I'm going to say about it. And I watched this after the world shut down and stopped. And I'll tell you something, <laughs> this movie nails it. It's whatever you want to you want to put on it. Exactly. You know, uh, the AIDS scare, uh, sickness, disease, uh, communists, you know, yeah. uh, or not communists per se, but, you know, someone in your midst is not who they say they are. You know, a lot of things going on in this movie. I think it nails all of it. I think so, too. I think this is Carpenter's masterpiece. And I'm a Halloween fan. No, I agree. I, I think agree. this is his masterpiece. And as far as remakes go, it's so uh, diametrically, I think, different. He nailed it in the review from The Thing from Another World, but still in the ballpark. And this is amazing. 
and I'm not a big effects guy. I'm not right. a big effects guy. I'm not a guy who gets off on gore. Right. It, uh, like yeah, that's not it's not a I. prereq for me. I don't mind gore. If it's excessive, I'm kind of like, eh, it's mm-hmm. a little excessive. If it's too realistic sometimes, I go, eh, this. I love seeing this for some reason. I don't, right? <laughs> I, I'm like compelled by it. I know. <laughs> and it's terrifying and I shouldn't be compelled by it yet. <laughs> I like seeing... Uh, uh, the Norris head come up off of the little spider thing. <laughs> like it's amazing how realistic some of this stuff I know. really is. And I and but here's the rub. I don't think of this as an effects film at all. That's no, the me thing. Either. I don't either. I don't know. This movie is just. And you could do this on stage. It would be wonderful yeah. on stage. There's, the, I think, even adding that that trapped feeling too. You know, they're out in the middle of nowhere, and that just adds to this. And it's just so good. It's so creepy. It plays on, this does play on a lot of our base fears. Fears, yeah. It really does. <laughs> and you're trapped, you can't get out, and you're stuck with this thing. Exactly. And the other thing, you, you don't know what it looks like. I know. And who can you, you trust? You might not even know if it's you. I know. It, it, it's, it's just a, It's a masterpiece. So it's a masterpiece so of horror. Sci-fi horror, it really is. And it hits that uh the the creepy the creepy vibe the body horror vibe the mm-hmm. the horrific vibe it's all in this movie it's wonderful I know. well brings us to our next category mm-hmm. which would, would would seem diametrically opposed to the thing <laughs> best kid we, we've had some wonderful kid performances we have in the films that we've talked about we have and uh, we had one recently in the people under the stairs which kind of uh, uh, kickstarted this, yeah. this this category if I may be so bold Go ahead. my nominees are Brandon Quentin Adams for playing Fool mm-hmm. in The People Under the Stairs Haley Joel Osment for playing Cole Sear in The Sixth Sense Spencer Treat Clark for playing Bruce Willis's son in Unbreakable whose name I cannot remember at the time uh, Kihai Kwan for playing Short Round in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom from 1984 and Miko Hughes for Wes Craven's New Nightmare he played Dylan in that film he was wonderful I would also like to say he's the kid in kindergarten cop who says boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. I think I said that in that episode a few times. Uh, who are your nominees for best kid, Faith? Mine are actually the same nominees, except I switched out. Uh, what, you had one of them. Oh, uh, Indiana Jones. I put Alex Vincent from Child's Play on my list. Another fine, fine performance. Yes. But yeah, we have the same list. Fine performance. We did come to a consensus on the winner. It yes, was difficult, did. too, because yeah. you have an Academy Award-nominated performance <laughs> from uh, Haley Joel in this, and it was close. It was really close between them. Before we announce the winner, is there anything you'd like to say about any of these little dudes? They're just all so good. I, I mean, you have to give it to, them, give it to them for being little people. And, <laughs> and they never felt like watching kids. No, no, not at all. That, that was the thing here yeah. with these. Uh, the winner of the Friday... Who gets the golden wang for best kid performance? Wait, is that even appropriate? It's not. I'm <laughs> sure they're going to be looking for us after. Uh, Brandon Quentin Adams for Fool and the People Under the Stairs. That young man, young at the time, I should say, that movie's 30 years old now. Uh, he owned that screen like he really he'd been did. doing it for 40 <laughs> years. And I never felt like I was watching a kid. And Haley Joel was like right under. So good. I know. But it's like, man, Brandon Adams. Do we know how old he was? In this movie. I think he was 11 or 12. He's just so good. He was, I mean, it was like watching a 40-year-old. I, I mean, just, he just, yeah. and he owned the screen. Like, he just, he had it. Yeah. You know. Like you said, you never felt like you're watching a little boy or like, a little, you know, a kid. Just, no. 
It, it's so good. Now, Wes Craven got really, really great work out of him. No. And uh, People Under Stairs is one of my favorite films that we've done because it's so crazy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, my God. Like, how have I not seen this before? And what am I watching? <laughs> Another one of those great Wes Craven things where he tells you something mm-hmm. about the nature of reality. Exactly. All right, our second to last nominated film for Best Picture is 1987's Creature Feature, Predator, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger from director John McTiernan. This was one of the very, very first movies that we did on this show, our third episode to be exact. Mm -hmm. Faith, you had never seen Predator. It is now one of your favorite films. No, you had seen it. I'm sorry, you had seen it. But uh, you were still new to the Predator experience. (laughs) What is it about that film that you just loved so much? Everything. We talked about it earlier from the cast to the creature to just the whole vibe and setting of this movie. It's just so good all the way around. It is. It's one of my favorite movies. Mr. Stanley gave it four out of five stars. Said tense, action-packed, high-tech, sci-fi, horror adventure, forever moving under John McTiernan's direction as Arnold Schwarzenegger and his commando team move into a South American jungle to retrieve a cabinet member held hostage by rebel forces. What Arnie and his men don't know once they've completed their mission in a blaze of pyrotechnics, and yes they do, is that they are being stalked by an alien creature on Earth to claim human trophies. Finally, it's just Arnie against the alien as he uses his wits Rambo style. Early scenes of the alien using camouflage techniques by Stan Winston are effective. The tension sustains and the film ends on a satisfying, uplifting note after an intense bashing match. Carl Weathers, El Pada, Carrillo, Bill Duke, Jesse Ventura, R.G. Armstrong, the whole cast is wonderful. The score is also wonderful by Alan Silvestri. That theme is out of this world. What I love about this movie is that it's three movies in one. It's an 80s action movie. Mm -hmm. It's a sci-fi film. It's also a horror film. There are some horrific things in this movie. I love all three elements. I think they play very well against each other. I think this movie plays the Arnold Strong suits Mm -hmm. as an actor. I love the guys. I love his performance. I love the final battle, the creature design. Everything in this movie is is top notch. I know. This is like the really dark version of Tremors, you know? (laughs) It is. (laughs) But it also feels like an old school 50s, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. creature movie. Yeah. But, uh. But violent and terrifying, and and I don't feel it. It ever steps over a line, right? You know, right. where it becomes mean. Mm-hmm. You know, but it just is what it is. And that alien, uh, well, the predator is a frighty winner. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> there you is. go. Uh, our final uh, film nominated for best picture is one that is not featured in creature features because this book only goes up to 1999. It's 2000s Unbreakable from director M Night Shyamalan, as we call him here on the show. Shamalama Ding Dong. There it is. Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson star. It is a comic book film. Uh, what if Superman was a real guy? Quentin Tarantino says it's one of the best films that's been released since he became a director back in 1992. I agree with him wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. I think this movie was ahead of its time. I think if it had come out during the superhero boon, it would have won Best Picture because it's that good. I think it's Bruce Willis's best performance as an actor. There's a lot of good ones in his filmography. We did it recently on the show, so it's fresh. Faith, what was it about Unbreakable that that got you? Because it's a movie that got both of us on that fun level mm-hmm. of what a great movie and at an emotional level. What was it that got you? It's everything. I mean, everything from the cast, like you said, Bruce Willis, that's his, I mean, he's he's great in everything, but that is his best performance. And you have just so much greatness in this. And I like the way it plays on the comic book thing, but it 
doesn't necessarily have to be a comic book movie. Right. You know, I mean, but I love the way that it spotlights comic books. And I just, I don't know, this movie yeah. is just... It spotlights comic books, but like his best work, I'm talking about M. Night, uh, it speaks to something bigger and right. it speaks to purpose. And it's the story of a guy not doing what he's supposed to be doing. Right. And just like The Sixth Sense, which was close to being on this list, but we decided to go with one Shyamalan movie and Sixth Sense is a classic. I mean, right. it's <laughs> we just thought Unbreakable, you know, yeah. give it a little love because I think it's so underrated. It and, is. Uh, Sixth Sense is about listening and communication. Mm-hmm. This is about purpose. And I think this is a better film than The Sixth Sense. And I think it's deeper. And I think it hits a little closer to the home. And the right. fact that it's a comic book story doesn't matter because they make the point in the movie that it's tied into those old stories we talked about just now with the fight campfire and in uh, the Greeks and, and on the cave walls like we do with Elm Street. Yep. It's it's that deep. And I think it's a wonderful movie. And it's fun to watch. It is. It's, it's got a great one score. Of my, yeah, it's one of my favorite films. I I think it's very deserving to be on this list. I do too. Absolutely. Well, that is it. That Those are our nominated films for Best Picture. We're going to present that award in just a moment, but let's get to the fun stuff. Here's the big ones. Are you ready, Faith? I am ready. Best Actor. Would you please read your list of nominees for Best Actor appearing in a film that we have done here on the show? I have Bruce Willis from Unbreakable, Bella Lugosi for Dracula, Boris Karloff, Bride of Frankenstein, Anthony Hopkins, Silence of the Lambs, and Bruce Campbell, Bubba Hotep. My nominees are Bella Lugosi for Dracula, Boris Karloff for Bride of Frankenstein, John Travolta for Blowout, Bruce Willis for Unbreakable, and uh, Bruce Campbell for Bubba Hotep. All, every one of these performances <laughs> that we just mentioned, give me goosebumps. They're wonderful. Travolta as a... Uh, Jack McCabe and Blowout. I'm thinking about that right now. That's wonderful. Bruce yeah. Willis, we just mentioned. I think Unbreakable is his best performance. If you haven't seen that in a while, watch how still he is in that. Yeah. You have Anthony Hopkins on your list. I mean, you can't argue with that. Lugosi kickstarts the Universal Talkies. Yep. Uh, Karloff, Bride of Frankenstein, one of the most sympathetic performances. Then you have Bruce Campbell playing Elvis Presley. A performance that shouldn't work in a movie that shouldn't work and everything works exactly the way it's supposed to in ways that you never even envisioned possible. Exactly. These are all awesome, awesome movies. These are all awesome performances. These are all awesome guys. Mm -hmm. The winner of The Golden Wang for Best Actor is... Bruce Campbell, Bubba Hotep. Did we actually see that coming? Like... (laughs) When we made this list, I think we did. Uh, it's it's one of, because it's such a a, a tightrope that he walks in that movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know, if you play it any other way, it's campy, right? And it's touching, and it hits on these bigger ideas of life and death, and it's funny too. God, it's funny. I love it. It's one of my favorite performances in any movie ever. I love it too. All right, well, we got the guy out of the way. Let's get to the lady nominees. My nominees for Best Actress. Kathy Bates for Annie Wilkes in Misery. Michelle Pfeiffer in What Lies Beneath. Jodie Foster, Silence of the Lambs. Jessica Walter in Play Misty for Me. And Heather Langenkamp in Wes Craven's New Nightmare from 1994. All of those are absolutely wonderful performances. And let me see, two of those won uh, Oscars. (laughs) So uh, who are your nominees for Best Actress, Faith? I have Kathy Bates for Misery. Jessica Walter, Play Misty for Me. Brooke Adams, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Heather Langenkamp, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and Tony Collette, Hereditary. 
also very fun choices and this was one i think this was the biggest no-brainer mm-hmm. of of the night and uh, oh yeah uh the winner is kathy bates <laughs> from misery and we gladly accept the golden wang on her behalf that is a performance that just lives in the mind and continues to live in the mind what is it about annie wilkes oh my god <laughs> uh, you know any other reason that she's just absolutely creepy and <laughs> threatens him with a good enough you know what i mean <laughs> So good. Good enough. All right. We're getting into it. Best slasher. We've done best slasher film. Now we are doing best slasher as I look for my nominees. Hey, who (laughs) do you have for best slasher? I have Michael Myers Halloween, Mrs. Voorhees Friday the 13th, Jason Voorhees Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives, Leatherface, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Freddy Krueger, A Nightmare on Elm Street. My list as well, my friend. And the Golden Wang goes to Robert England as Freddy Krueger in A Nightmare on Elm Street. This was difficult, but I do think that he is the correct winner for this. I think he's the correct winner because it's an acting performance. Mm-hmm. He's not lumbering around or hiding behind a mask. Right. He's, he's acting and he's scary as hell. <laughs> Pretty That's much. The thing. In that first movie, he's scary as hell. I know you're a Michael Myers girl, but what is it? We I know we've talked about him a bit tonight, Freddy Krueger. What is it though about that performance that just, just again? It, he's so vicious. He's so mean. He takes his time with every single kill, and I mean that's just not somebody you want to cross, you know. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. It is at this time we would like to present honorary Fridays to Nicolas Cage for being Nicolas Cage, exactly, and to Jamie Lee Curtis for appearing in the most films that we've done on this show. So congratulations on your honorary Golden Wangs. I really thought Cage would show up to, to, right? to get his. I guess we got to keep his wang, too. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing how many films he did and he didn't get nominated for anything. But he's in a level of his own. Yeah, he is, yeah. He's, he's, a, he's, he's, he's somewhere else. All right. That brings us. We did Best Slasher. Best Villain. Boy, this was this was fun. Um, let me see. My nominees for Best Villain, Annie Wilkes from Misery, The Thing from The Thing, Evelyn from Play Misty for Me, played by Jessica Walter, Freddy Krueger from A Nightmare on Elm Street, and The Predator from Predator. We have the same exact list. All of these, let's let's go through them. We just talked about Freddy, so we don't need to talk about him. He's scary. The Predator we talked about earlier, you can't see him, he kills you. Evelyn, Play Misty for Me. This is one we haven't touched on. Jessica Walter, we did Play Misty for Me during January, which was our thriller month. Mm -hmm. All those episodes are available wherever podcasts can be found. We were both really taken with her. She's best known for being on Arrested Development, Mm -hmm. and she plays absolutely crazy in this. Um, What was it about that performance that got you? And kind of a proto-slasher in a way, yeah. too. No, she is just... I mean, she's crazy. I mean, that's that's the word. She is absolutely crazy. With no redeeming qualities. Not at all. Yeah, and I'm so used to seeing her in Arrested Development, so it was kind of, you know, cool to see her in this role, and it's like, whoa. <laughs> that's... She played it so well. She was, she was probably my second pick for Best Actress. Oh, yeah. I mean, she was close because, I mean, she's oh, yeah. she's like the Annie Wilkes, but not, you know. I mean, I know she was violent. Yeah. But, I mean, I, she wasn't holding him hostage. And, yeah. yeah. And we've talked about the thing and why that's so scary. Yes. Uh, this was one, for me, I don't know what it was like for you, but casting the ballot for winner was, again, a no-brainer mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and the winner of Best Villain for the first ever Fridays is Annie Wilkes, played yeah. by Kathy Bates. Was that your go-to yes. for this? Yes. Why? Why not? There you go. <laughs> Good mean, enough. For me, it's we talked about Freddy being supernatural mm-hmm. and the thing you can't see sci-fi, but Annie Wilkes could be out there. She's real. She's real. It's real. I mean, that's that, that could be a real-life thing. It's kind of like Evelyn. I mean, they're very similar in their ways as in they're real people who are obsessive. Yeah, and I just feel, and there's a lot of similarities between Play Misty and, and Misery, but I feel like Misery, because you're there right. in that one location, like the thing, you're trapped in that trapped. location with James Caan, who's so good in that movie. Yeah. Um, you, you get to know her a little bit better, <laughs> and I think it's even creepier. I think so, too. And the way that Kathy Bates is able to elicit sympathy from you mm-hmm. for a moment, and then just she pulls, you know, victory, uh, the feet from the jaws of victory, you know. <laughs> Because you do, you feel sorry for her, and then you go, wait, this lady wait, is crazy. Wait, no, she is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's an amazing performance. It's a, it's really a great it's movie. It's one of my favorite movies. It's one of mine, too. And uh, another one. All of these, as I said, uh, we've done on the show. They're all available wherever podcasts can be found. So here we go. Here it comes, the moment of truth, the, the movie that we are voting as the best picture that we've done on the show. The nominees are, again, American Werewolf in London, Unbreakable, John Carpenter's The Thing, Psycho, The Shining, Fright Night, Bride of Frankenstein, A Nightmare on Elm Street, John Carpenter's Halloween, and Predator. All of these are fine, fine movies. Uh, I like the cross-section of films we have here. We have straight horror, we have slasher, Mm -hmm. we have sci-fi, sci-fi horror. Uh, We also then have Unbreakable in there, which has got overtones of of the scary stuff with it. I love each and every one of these movies, and I have I've really enjoyed doing them on the show. I did. Do you too. have anything you'd like to say about any of these movies before we announce the winner? It was it was really tough. I, I had a different pick at first before we kind of went with the winner, and, and, I, and I convinced you of why. I mean, and I didn't really need a yeah. lot of convincing. I mean, it was just for me that movie's kind of like it yeah. just stood out at that moment. But our, our winner is definitely it deserves. Yes. To win, I would like for you, you to do the honors. Do yes, it. the winner of the first ever Fridays uh, for Best Picture is an American Werewolf in London. Yes, and I think it's the finest uh, pure horror, horror film that we've done, and yeah. it, and it has the comedic elements, and they work so well together. And as I said earlier, it uh, it draws on the Universal tradition and the slasher tradition, and moves effects forward, and it's a it's a fun movie to watch. It's mm-hmm. terrifying. It's scary in, in places. It really is. And it's uh, marketed as the monster movie. This is a, a monster, monster movie. movie. We both almost had a different pick. And I almost had the same pick as you. And that pick was? The Thing. And the reason I didn't go with The Thing is because, as horrific as it is, it is more of a sci-fi movie. Right. And that was kind of, when, when you said what your pick was, I was like, you're right. It is more sci-fi than it is straight horror. Yeah. So, I mean, and it draws on the Hammer tradition and the Universal tradition. Right. And you also get Landis. And, and this right. guy knows monster movies, has written a book on it. And <laughs> I just think, and listen, the all of these movies, I mean, you could make. But I, mean, I think right it's Frankenstein close, could have yeah. easily won, too. I mean, it's. Yeah. I think, though, it's like horror movie. And when, right. I, when I think horror movie, I think American Werewolf in London. Yeah. And I think it's, again, there, there are no losers here. Not at all. <laughs> you know, and really, while we did this, we wanted to make lists. We wanted to have fun and look at our back catalog, but also yeah. to get you out there thinking about these movies, too. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- this was this was fun. It was difficult to do, but I, I think it was it was worthwhile because, like you said, we get to really look at our back catalog and and see all these. I mean, most of these movies are just so wonderful. Yeah, and it's like, wow, we've really done some great movies, and it's you yeah, know, and yeah, I think it was awesome. A lot of fun. So congratulations. Uh, not to us, though. None of the winners came to pick up their their. So we're golden just stuck wings. with a And let me ask you, what are we going to do with twelve <laughs> golden wings? I have no idea. A lot idea. of fun. Uh, looking back over the history of the show, as uh, as we look back at this chapter and uh, moving forward, uh, what uh, what are some of the favorites that have that have really stuck with you? My Predator is really stuck with me. Uh, American Werewolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, anytime we get to uh, talk about Robert England is is great. But uh, uh, there have been those little surprises. You know, the the, the ones way. that have really stuck with me are the are the universal monsters, the classic monsters. There's something I catch myself almost every day thinking about them and wanting to watch them again. And like there's just something so inviting about them. Yeah. Like that's horror. Like I mean and it feels like going home and yeah, it's too. this it's just classic and it <laughs> it's just so good and I think about them all the time. I think my biggest surprise so far on the show has been Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yeah. How good of a movie that was. I really love that movie. Because that was a first time watch for both mm-hmm. of us. And um I I expected to enjoy it and be entertained by it. Right, but kind of like, oh, this is kind of cheesy. Like, eh, yeah, okay. No, it was really a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, I know. And and really kind of prompted all of this too. Mm-hmm, yeah, which which is a lot of fun. So, um, Tremors was another one I think that that yes. really I, I've loved that movie since I was a kid. But uh, again, that's that's one too. That's like that's a horror movie, you know. <laughs> and it would have made the the cut for best picture. We just didn't have a spot for it. You yeah, know? but uh. I mean, could, a lot of people, a killer, lot of movies could have been nominated. Yeah, Killer Clowns, though, was the biggest surprise for me, just how yeah. how great that is. Uh, and uh, my favorite, though, is seeing you go through the Universal catalog, mm-hmm. I think, and getting that real appreciation for the history of, of, of where this genre came from. And I think that's part of why we do the show is to get people excited about these movies. We're, we love these movies. Right. We're excited about these movies. Yeah. And uh, we want you all out there to be excited about them, too, if you would like to disagree with us or say, hey, great job on, on the awards list. Uh, you can reach us at late night fright podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Every movie we talked about tonight, these are all available wherever podcasts can be found. And I will add, uh, I'm sorry, I take it back. The other big surprise was Summer of 84. What a good oh, yes. film Summer of 84 is. And I feel like I, I need to watch it again. I think I do, too. There's been, yeah, I mean, like I said, we've done a lot of good movies and, and you kind of forget about them and going through this list. Like, wow, that's, that was a really good. I liked when I was looking at the, at the cross section of films, especially the ones that made the, the cut for best picture, mm-hmm. but even just going through them. I, I think one of the things we've done a, a pretty good job of is, is varying up the picks with classic films, with the slasher films, with, uh, you know, creatures mm-hmm. with uh, sci-fi. We've even done some comic book films along the way. Right. And I think uh, I like that cross section of the movies because this is a genre that has a lot of flowers on its, you know, on the stem of yeah. it, you know, and uh, there's so much in horror to enjoy. And I, I love the horror genre. I love all, I love most of the genres in the horror I genre. Too. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's, it's hard to pick a favorite. And I really do. I think that these movies, uh, when they're done correctly, when they have that deeper meaning, can really teach you how to be and how to live and yeah i agree you know they have that deeper meaning to them but all, all of them though are pretty much fun for the most part they really are and it's a fun <laughs> genre to uh to, to watch it's a fun genre to be a part of with this show and uh so there you go they're not here to pick them up but congratulations to uh 
to everybody that won a golden wang. <laughs> well, this concludes the Fridays. We will be back next week with horror movies proper. We don't know what the movie's going to be. Doesn't matter. Faith, do you know what the movie's going to be? I don't know. We don't know. I don't know. We'll pick. We'll let you know. <laughs> we'll let you know. But it feels like it's getting to be that time of the evening. Yes, it does. All right, let's see if this works. I've been doing this in the past few weeks. I've been snapping my finger like Fonzie and the music has started. Let's see if let's it works. See. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. Hey, it worked. <laughs> Well, thank you all for tuning in wherever you are in the world, be you here in the States, here in the UK. Hello to all of our friends over there in the UK. We have quite a following in the UK. It's Very amazing. Cool. I love it. Uh, but all of you out there, I hope you're happy, healthy, safe, staying sane during these trying times. And hey, in the words of the great Bob Wilkins, watch horror movies. Make America strong. Faith, you have anything you'd like to add? Just watch all these movies that we talked about tonight or anything in our back catalog because these are really great movies. And and I had so much fun. Hit yeah, us up this. at late night fright podcast at gmail.com. Faith, take us home. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the full moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep your, your monster, monster on a leash. leash. We love you all. We'll see you on the other side. Bye.